Welcome to the Paw Print Pause, a weekly PD digest for Uvalde CISD teachers and friends. The purpose of this podcast is to bring attention to the topics that impact students the most through authentic experiences and conversation. I'm your host, Blended Learning Specialist, Natalie Adias. Our topic for our third episode today is the value in student teacher conferences. For this episode, I will be referencing one of my all-time favorite books on blended learning by Catlin Tucker called Balance with Blended Learning. If you have not read this book yet, you need to. There's so much about the topic of blended learning that is abstract because we're turning what we've always done literally on its head. One of the claims that Catlin makes in chapter three is that the biggest barriers to innovation are exhaustion and general lack of time. She goes on to say that teachers don't have any room in their proverbial plates for anything else, and technology feels like a big something else. In this chapter, she challenges teachers to think and reflect on who is doing the work in our classrooms. And I think this is a concept that lies within blended learning that is probably the hardest for today's teachers to grasp. For years, teachers were under the impression that if they weren't busting their literal butts, staying on campus till 7 or 10 p.m. every night, then they weren't doing enough. But that is simply not the case. Teachers that utilize their planning and instructional time strategically can be effective without working themselves into the ground. Teacher morale matters, and I personally am confident that the components of blended learning, like student conferencing, are the keys to success in our classrooms. Student conferencing is one way that we can begin to, one, relieve ourselves of the responsibility or 100% of the responsibility and empower our students to take ownership of their own learning, and two, build appropriate relationships with our students and create a positive class culture. Today, I have a very special guest with me to talk about the topic of student conferencing. Jennifer Griffin is a teammate of mine on the teaching and learning team within the curriculum and instruction department. She has spent 23 years in education, with four of them spent as an instructional coach, and she is now in her second year in her current role as the Uvalde CISD third through sixth grade curriculum specialist. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. You know how passionate I am about personal conferencing, so I'm glad you invited me so I can talk your ear off. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you couldn't. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I invited you to be here today because personal conferences have been a hot topic among your grade bands here lately. You recently led a sort of powwow through Magic Moment with Rob Elementary teachers on this topic. Can you tell me a little bit about why you believe so strongly in student conferencing? So a couple of weeks ago, I was invited to be a part of a conversation with Mr. Contreras over at Rob, and he has always planned out this time for teachers to have a part of their day to look at data and to really dig deep and understand what's going on with their students. Um, With this COVID gap, he was charged with, what are we going to do to fill this gap? And my suggestion was, really, until we get data into the hands of our students, we're not going to see a big change. Students really have to know what they need, and teachers need to be having those conversations with the kids. So I know a lot of times it's called a student-teacher conference, but I really like to refer to it as a personal conference. And so we set up a plan, and he was kind of concerned, you know, what if teachers don't feel comfortable having having these conferences with kids? And so you and I actually kind of powwowed and came up with a script for those teachers to follow. What are some of the questions that you ask? And so the whole point of it is to be really super positive with kids. For instance, if you have a kid that's not showing up for virtual meets and attendance is a problem, you wouldn't want to start off with, well, first of all, why aren't you coming to school? You'd want to start off talking about 
a, a giant question like, how do you feel about math and why do you feel that way? And if, if you're not doing well, what do you think it is? And you're trying to lead the student to maybe tell you, well, it's probably because I'm never here. And then you can keep asking questions until you find out why aren't you showing up to class? And so we went through this whole script. And I think some of the most powerful questions that we came up with at the end is, you, you know, you finish that conference with, what do you need from me as a teacher? And so letting the kids tell you what they need, um, which I think is very powerful. And it's so funny because I was in some uh, PLCs with Rob today and I had one teacher to share that she was in a conference with this little girl and, the, and she asked the question, you know, what can I do to help you? And she said her student looked kind of like startled and like, what do you mean? Well, what can I do as a teacher to help you be successful? And the little girl looked at her teacher and said, nobody's ever asked me that before. Becky Goo's mom was covered in chills. I'm covered in chills when I talk about it again. And so, and the child can't even articulate what they needed the teacher to do. So the teacher made some suggestions. Can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? Until they understand what they can ask of their teachers. So um, that's just one example of a short conversation and the effects. Awesome. So I think you said a mouthful because our students are not used to having any kind of voice in the classroom. And we'll talk about that in a little bit some more. Um, but we also want our students to know that they can articulate what they need to do. It's not just about what the teacher can do. Um, in chapter six of Balance with Blended Learning, Catlin talks about goal setting. And she says, it is clear that teachers feel frustrated by a general lack of student motivation and engagement. Teachers cannot understand why students are not motivated to learn. Often this frustration and lack of understanding leaves teachers feeling disillusioned. What are your thoughts on the topic of goal setting and student motivation, Jennifer? How can student conferencing help? I think a lot of times we think that our students seem lazy, maybe apathetic, when it could just be that they are so far behind that they've just tuned out. Um, maybe they have a reading problem and they can't even keep up because of, of just their um, lack of reading skills. So I think whenever you have that personal conference, you can get that relationship with the, with the student where they can actually feel safe and telling you what's wrong. And then you can set goals. A lot of times we want to, we want a quick fix for everything. And one of the things we've been using with engage to learn are called smart goals. And so this is my new um, favorite thing. So a smart goal is specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's relevant, and it's time bound. So if a student's having, um, maybe a problem with a particular standard. You may even need to break that standard down and choose one piece and then devise a plan on what you're going to do to work on that. And then when are we going to check back in and how are we going to monitor that you have accomplished that goal? The thing about it is if I have a conference and I meet with you and we set a goal, I've got to meet back up with you at that designated time to see if that's been accomplished. Did what I did the resource or whatever I provided for you help or did it not? And so let's let's come up with a second plan. So if kids start eating these things up little by little, they're going to see, oh my gosh, when I take one little step at a time, I, you know, I can, I can reach mastery. Absolutely. And I love that you said this because it kind of takes me into our next thought. And uh, in chapter six of Balance of Blended Learning, Catlin says, it's important to acknowledge and respect the fact that not every student who enters our classroom will be intrinsically motivated by the tasks and assignments we assign. I know this can be frustrating for teachers. 
She goes on to say that the key is to help them understand how their behaviors and the work they do in the classroom aligns with their personal and academic goals. If students have a strategy for setting goals and are given time to monitor and reflect on their goals, they will begin to appreciate how the work they do, though not intrinsically motivating, can help them achieve the goals they care about. I know this spoke to me as a student who was strong, a strong reader and writer, but not so strong in math. You could do the biggest song and dance in the classroom, and I was not going to be into it until I understood the value that it had in my own life. So she talks some more about the importance of setting aside time to conference with students. And she says that framing these conversations around their goals is an easy way to talk with students about what they're working on and how they're attempting to improve skills and then what support they need from us to continue, which you've been talking about, right? So it's not just about what the student can do, but what the teacher can do as well. The key to a successful conference is to make sure the students have the opportunity to have their voices heard during the conversation. What are some other tips you have for teachers that want to get started with personal conferences, Jennifer? You know, I think it's a whole shift. We're used to doing all of the work and we want to do all the learning for the kids as well. And we've just got to get away from it. If you don't think you have time, guys, like one minute, a two minute conference can make all the difference in the world. You may um, have a couple of questions that you want to ask that child and they might not answer and they, they may not feel comfortable. You might have a conversation about their tennis shoes at first to get them comfortable where they feel safe with you. Know that you a lot can be said in a minute. It really can. So have that first conference. Put together a script. Reach out to me and I'll give you my script. And just have that first conference and watch what happens. And notice that, yeah, your classroom may change a little bit. The kids are going to be doing a lot of the work. You're going to be doing a lot of the prep. And then you're going to be watching them and supporting them and being the facilitator in it. Once kids have success and they can see that they can control their own education, it becomes really powerful. Then they become intrinsically motivated. So I would just say, try it with one student and watch what happens. But remember, I mean, always remember that you have that first conference, but when you set that goal, you've got to meet back up at that designated time for that 30 second conference to see, you know, did that work or not? And if it didn't, babe, then we're going to try something else. And another main key is you've got to write it down. So the kids either have, you know, a digital uh, sheet with all of this information or paper and pencil. But when you write things down, that's when magic happens. I know, like, if I need to get my laundry done, I have to write it down. I'm going to get it all done before 12 o'clock today, and I'll get it done. But if I don't write it down, it never happens. Yes, and I think it's super critical to understand that every conference with every single student is going to be different. There, no one conversation is going to be the same, even with the same student. You could have a student that's very into it and um, receives your advice easily, right? And then you could meet with them another time and it's just a bad day for them. So it's important to know that everyone is going to be different. It doesn't make them any less valuable. Even just showing a student that you're taking a second to get to know them or what they need or just that they get you care at all makes a huge difference. And that takes me into the last topic that I want to talk about Um Catelyn's book has so much guidance. I honestly feel like I could probably talk about it way longer than this. But the last thing is I want to talk about the benefits that she lists for student conferencing beyond just building relationships and giving students a voice in the classroom. Because I think we have already established those are priority. Students need to know that they have a voice and they need to know that their teacher cares. But beyond that, student conferencing can help with number one, uh, when teachers conference with students, they can provide them with additional feedback on their progress, which can positively impact students' feelings of self-efficacy. Number two, if students feel like their teachers care enough to meet with them and understand their needs, they are less likely to act out in class causing discipline issues. 
And then number three, these are conversations that are great opportunity to collect formative assessment data that teachers can use to personalize the learning experience for individual students based on their individual needs. So Jennifer, do you have any further comments on these benefits before we wrap it up today? You know, I think it just goes back to us. We know that we don't hurt people that we're close to. Um, I know that we are kind to our students collectively, but whenever we make those relationships with students, I think that it's so powerful. Um, one of the teachers was saying that they met with a child and they were talking specifically about testing information. And this child was like, you know, I never do well at math. I always feel math. And she, she, she pulled out all the da- data and she showed the child, maybe you're only missing it by two questions every time. You're not bad at math. And the child was like, I only need to get two more questions, right? <laughs> and she was like, yes. And so think about how that will change that child who's just, you know, a fourth grader right now, but going into fifth grade and sixth grade, that child knows now, oh, I'm just two questions away. I've got this. Um, relationships make all the difference. Um, I think, you know, letting the kid know that as many chances as it takes to reach mastery, you don't just get two strikes and you're out in this game. You get as many chances as it takes. And so have those conversations, get to know what your students need, Um, And I think it'll make all the difference. You'll see that you're actually going to be saving a lot of time in the end. I love that, Jennifer. Thank you so much for your input and the work you do to spread the message that building relationships and connecting with our students matters. You have been a great guest today. I I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. I had lots of fun. And if teachers need any uh, information, reach out to me and I'll uh, share my stuff with you. Consider using the IXL real-time diagnostic to drive student conferences. Uvalde CISD currently has access to IXL for all subjects pre-K through 8th grade, including math, reading and language arts, science, and social studies. For reading and math, start by having your students step into the diagnostic arena and get their pinpointed level. Then use the Diagnostic Student Tracker LinkedIn episode details to have them document their goals and progress. This is just a simple, authentic way to get started empowering your students to take ownership of their own learning. Remember to respond with empathy and genuinely in your conversations with your students so that they know how much you care about their success. Increasing student agency is not something that will happen overnight. It is a process that's going to take time and a genuine culture shift, but the outcomes will be amazing once we reach true student agency. I will leave you with one last quote from the book that we've been discussing today by Catlin Tucker. If we do not ask students to do the heavy lifting in the classroom, We are wasting a valuable resource and robbing students of the opportunity to learn both subject-specific and life skills. The reality is that the person doing the work in the classroom is the person doing the learning. Be sure to tweet out your responses and thoughts on this week's episode using the hashtag pawprintpause and be sure to tag us. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Please be sure to tune back in next Friday for our fourth episode, where we will discuss the topic of student agency, what it looks like, what it sounds like, and how you can get started building autonomous student learners today. As always, please be sure to follow at BlendedUCISD on Twitter and me at NatAudiasTX. I love to connect with you guys outside of work, and I look forward to growing our PLN. Never hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or need help. I hope you have a great weekend. Please be sure to take some time for yourself and set aside your work before returning for a busy week next week.